It's Laura and Matt of Mr. Electric. Matt, I'm excited to share that I just heard from a new customer who fell in love with our upfront pricing. She was actually surprised that there were no additional charges. Well, it's not every day that you find qualified electricians that give you an upfront price with no surprises after the job. Get peace of mind and visit us online at mrelectric.com or give us a call. At Mr. Electric, we have the power to make things better. License number TECL34221. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Carol is the executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. She is a graduate of the University of the Incarnate Word with a master's in social gerontology and is literally known across this country for some 30 years for her work with caregivers and seniors. And her experience in the field is something I learn from literally every time we do this show. And it's a pleasure uh, to co-host with Carol. Uh, we're talking today about... Everything left to remember, a fascinating story by our guest, Steph Jagger, and we'll talk to her in just a moment. But, uh, Carol, you have endured the loss of loved ones in recent years, too many to count, uh, and I'm sure you remember a whole lot about them. Well, you know, the the journey that one takes with a loved one who has Alzheimer's is unlike uh, any other journey uh, because you have the person that you remember and hold in your heart and then the person who is before you. Uh, and so it, it's it's wonderful uh, to think about that person that you love and that you hold while you're with this new person that may present themselves that is the disease. Uh, and so it, it's, a, it's really an interesting journey and I'm so delighted to have Steph Jagger join us. Well, Steph went through exactly that. Uh, talking about everything left to remember. Uh, she is a sought-after mentor and coach whose guide helps people develop a deeper understanding of themselves and their stories. She's the author of two books. Steph grew up in Vancouver, Canada, now lives and works in Bainbridge Island, just off Seattle in the state of Washington. Her second book, Everything Left to Remember, her first book, Unbound, was published in 2017. Uh, and Steph... Uh, your story of connecting with your mom, uh, diagnosed with uh, uh, Alzheimer's disease, you see her slipping away. Uh, what is it you decided to do to preserve those memories? Yeah, I think, well, first of all, just thank you for having me. I'm really delighted to be here with with the both of you. Um, and And I do think, you know, Alzheimer's is such a unique journey. Exactly what you said earlier, Carol, there's there's the person who you know and remember. There's the person who presents themselves in front of you. There's also something very unique about the Alzheimer's journey is that as you're watching your loved one shift and their identity change, you're also watching them lose you, which is a really, really unique part of this, this journey. And I think that led me to exactly, you know, your, your question of what did I decide to do? I think as I was watching my mother begin to lose me and me, her, um, I thought, gosh, I, I feel like I need to know more of her story. And I feel like I need to kind of understand what my identity is and who I am in the world as a daughter, you know, without her. And so 
shortly after her diagnosis, I followed like I usually do, like an intuitive bolt from the blue. And I I took my mother on a on a two week road trip through some of the national parks of the American West and um, spent a couple of weeks camping and tenting and and really just trying to soak as much of her up as I could in that in that stage of her progression. Is that something you had done before? Was she a camper? Were you a camper? Absolutely not. <laughs> I I mean, I could count the number of times I had been camping on one hand and I, you know, other people usually took care of the camping part. <laughs> so, you know, I... I that's called I, a holiday I, inn. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I had grown up in a, what I'll call a really athletically focused family, but not an outdoorsy family. And um, I had developed an interest in the outdoors and I had spent a lot of times, you know, engaging in athletic pursuit in the outdoors. Um, but, but camping in this way was, was going to be new for me. Now there's a big difference between putting a backpack on and walking into the wilderness for two weeks in the backcountry and the kind of camping that my mom and I did, which was car camping. You know, we would pull up to a campground, we'd pull our tent out of the back of the car and we had our cooler of food and, and a, and a credit card and a map to a hotel just in case. So there, <laughs> there was some, uh, some backup plans inside of that. Well, I, you know, I have to ask, where in the stage was your mother at this point? Would you kind of classify? And was it was it disorienting for her to be in the camper and yeah. out of her environment? Because so many of us cue off everything around us at home. Absolutely. I think this is such a good question and really important because I think when most people hear about Alzheimer's and dementia, they have an image in their head, if they, if, especially if they don't have an experience with the disease, of someone who's you know, in their, in their quite old age, like maybe in their eighties or nineties, who's in late stage Alzheimer's. So my mother was, um, about a year after diagnosis, she was in her mid to late sixties. She was an extraordinarily fit and active woman. And she was in the early stages of the progression of the disease. So that made for a really unique kind of window of time for us to do an adventure like this. She was very physically capable. Um, and, and I think, she was often confused about where we were, but confused in a way that was um, kind of delighted and curious. Um, she wasn't in a stage of the progression where she was frustrated, where she might get agitated or angry about an unknown. Um, and so there was a really distinct phasing. But this was, you know, a, a very physically capable woman who was, I think she was about 68 when we went on the trip. Um, in a, you know, probably what I would classify as stage one or two of, of uh, Alzheimer's progression. So early on. There, there's a wonderful comment uh, from you in the material that your folks sent to us. And it talks about uh, spending time uh, with your mom and what it means to love someone who doesn't quite remember the person she spent her lifetime becoming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think this, you know, this goes back to what you were saying earlier, you know, that that there's the, the moving landscape that is Alzheimer's, you know, who is who is my mother? Who do I know her to be? Who does she remember herself as? Who does she think I am in the moment? And who and how is she presenting in the actual present moment? You know, those are all going to be like, kaleidoscopic, actually, and, and moment to moment, there's going to be a different image that appears in the kaleidoscope, and it can be a little bit discombobulating or a lot discombobulating to, to move through. I think actually, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to go to nature, I, I felt like, you know, what, what is the container that has the vastness, like a large enough expanse to hold us steady inside of that kaleidoscope. And I really felt like, 
being on the earth, like sleeping on the ground, having something very steady kind of underfoot would allow us to kind of spin through that kaleidoscope in a way that felt relatively safe to the both of us. And what were the conversations you had with your mom? And we'll find out in just a moment. But I want to remind folks who may have just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Air, along with Carol Zerniel. And we're talking with Steph Jagger, uh, talking about the journey uh, she took with her mom as her mom uh, developed uh, Alzheimer's disease as she looked to capture the memories of who she is and who her mom is and was. Uh, and, and as you think about that, Steph, uh, Watching the big sky, looking at the stars, sitting with your mom, what were your conversations like? Oh, they they were kind of everything and anything. Sometimes they were very simplistic. My mom was never a person, even prior to diagnosis, that was um, very explicit about her emotional world. And so much of it was just about the description of the day or what we were enjoying in that particular moment. And and I think also there were many, many places um, and times inside of inside of the time that we spent together that was quintessentially her that there was silence, like maybe there wasn't conversation. And I think the ability, you know, to sink into it was one of my greatest teachers on that on that trip was that, oh, I'm a person who's driven to conversation. I'm a person that's driven to excitement. I'm very much like my father in that way. And and I think, you know, looking back, my mom provided me such an expanse of space to like fill the world with words, which was such a gift to me. And also simultaneously on that trip really taught me, you know, what is present, even if words aren't being spoken, even if memories aren't being shared, like, are we able to just sit and feel the connection of one another? And that was really a teacher and very, very important as a, as a kind of signal for the late stages of Alzheimer's. Well, I'm I'm curious, often in an early stage person with Alzheimer's, there's a tremendous amount of fear and anxiety. And I'm curious if your trip was able to kind of soothe some of that in that time yeah. with you. Yeah, I think, you know, I remember this because my grandmother also had um, fairly classic old age dementia. And I do remember some, some times with her that there was a lot of fear and anxiety um, kind of skepticism and nervousness present. And my mom showed very little of that um, throughout kind of all of her, all of the progression of her disease, which was kind of wonderful and, and, a, and a real gift. And I, one of my biggest learnings that I found is the more fear that I showed, the more agitation that I showed, the more worry that I carried, the more she showed. So sometimes I kind of think, is this person demonstrating or showing behaviors of fear and anxiety and worry because I've just walked into the room totally tight, braced, not wanting to make eye contact, thinking this is going to be an excruciating visit? And what if I was to present as fluid or regulated or as calm as possible? Like, what is the work that I need to do in the moment to get myself to a place of open-heartedness or generosity? And how might that shift how this person is presenting, like, are they just presenting everything that I'm feeling, you know, which is a pretty common thing inside. Right. Of future. Yeah. Yeah. So mirroring yeah, I, you. I love, yeah. And I, but I love that concept. I love that idea of being flexible, of keeping yourself open to be able to change your own emotions to help the other person. Right. Because I think Absolutely. we do that often. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if I was to walk into situations with her, with a rigidity of, I need her to know who I am in this moment. She probably will show agitation because 
she can't know who I am in the moment. So if I'm willing to let that go and just be like, you know what, we're just going to meet each other in the moment, then I could sense that she would relax into it a bit more. Yeah. Now you write about and talk about uh, how she knew you and sometimes didn't know you. What was that like? Well, I think that's an excruciating thing for anybody to kind of confront is, you know, my parent, my sibling, my aunt or uncle doesn't know who I am. And I think there's some grappling with our own identities to do inside of that. There was a simultaneous, a handful of simultaneous um, journeys that that went through with that. You know, one for me was almost like, oh, if my mother doesn't remember who I am, like I really... I have the opportunity to become anything I want. Again, it felt like uh, almost there was an opportunity for a renewal or, you know, who can I be if, I, if, if I'm not carrying around the expectations of who my mother always wanted me to be? So there was actually, a, you know, c- combined with the bit of excruciation of dealing with that, there was almost some relief for me uh, on the other side of it, uh, which I since have, have in- embraced in many ways. Um, so I found that to be one of those experiences inside of this disease, which I think are, are common is like the both and like I can feel two things at once. I can feel grief and disappointment and rage and, and that excruciating. Oh, my gosh, my parent doesn't know me. And I can also feel like a relief of like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm simultaneously released from all of the expectations that they had of me that really don't fit. We're going to find out who you created for yourself in just a moment. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel, and we're talking with Steph Jagger about her book. Everything left to remember talking about her mom's journey with Alzheimer's disease. We're so pleased you were with us here on Caregiver SOS On Air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver's stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello, friend. Well, thank you for sticking with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. We're talking with author Steph Jagger about her book and her experiences, Everything Left to Remember the Book, and we'll tell you how to get a hold of it. Uh, and before we do that, I want to come back to where we were. Uh, Steph, you'd mentioned, and, and it's a really neat concept. I hadn't thought about it, that since your mother on, at times didn't remember necessarily who you were, you could be anybody. <laughs> Did you create a fictitious new you? <laughs> I I didn't create a fictitious new me, but I, I think it actually provided a doorway to step into, you know, maybe a more expansive version of me or an, invite parts of me to the table that um, maybe I hadn't um, thought would be maybe acceptable inside of my family. So I, I think it invited a truer me actually to the table um, than, than maybe had perhaps existed before. So what were your biggest surprises on this camping trip? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, literally, there was some surprises with wild animals. <laughs> I think there was some of that. But I, I think I think the biggest surprise for me was um, t- maybe two things. Um, 
I think I was surprised actually by, and, and this is kind of one of the threads that moves through the book, um, by the level of anger actually that that rose up in me, I think in a really healthy way. Like, how do I want to process this? I am angry about these various things inside of the mother-daughter relationship. But with my mother in the state that she's in, like there's not an op- there's not an opportunity to kind of bring those up and solve those and heal those inside of a conversational relationship. And so what do I want to do with those things? And and I actually think, you know, in some fantastical way, you know, she served as a, as a guide for that. And this brings me back to the moments of silence, you know, how do we really process our pain, our grief, our anger? And, and how do we do that if if the person that we love who maybe helped create some of that or or was a parent who um, contributed to some of that, um, if they're if they're no longer around or unable to process with us. And I think that takes me right back to nature. I mean, I've written a book before um, that that also takes place in nature, and and much of my younger life was was spent conquering nature. Like how how am I going to you know get up this mountain and get back down it in, in as quick a time as possible? And this journey with my mom really opened up a surprising new avenue, not of conquering things, but with being with you know how can I be with this pain? How can I be with this this mountain of anger inside of me, and not necessarily conquer it, but kind of allow it to ebb and flow and erode and and move around. And and that really is, you know, for me, the definition of deep remembrance, you know, is not necessarily is my mom going to remember my name and the address that we lived at, but am I going to remember how love and loss really carves and shapes our lives? And will I surrender to allowing that? What were the animals you ran into? We had a very, very close encounter with um, with a baby moose, and right behind it, a mama moose. Um, we saw we saw bison, we saw bear from afar, we saw lots of deer, we saw we saw an immense amount of bird life, um, we saw elk, we saw beaver. I mean, you know, these are this is some of the most amazing national parks that we have. We went through Yellowstone Glacier, Grand Teton. I mean, there was just it was kind of teeming wow. uh, with wildlife. Yeah. Yeah, mama and moose can not, be really tough. Yeah. I say people may not realize a how big they are. Mama moose, baby moose yeah. is not small, but also that combination of mama baby is you know very dangerous. Yes, and you know what what a, what a mirror to see. You know, my mom was so excited about going to try and pet this baby moose, and I thought you do not want to do that. And we we, we my aunt and I really <laughs> pulled her back from going to see this moose and. It, you know, it was interesting. She said, why? Why did you do that? And I said, because, the, you know, the mom was right there and the mom will protect the baby. And I it just even as I was thinking about that, I thought, oh, isn't isn't that just a beautiful metaphor to be seeing there? And yes, moose are a lot of people think moose are like the size of a deer and they are not. They're like three times the size. They're very big animals. No, I, I can remember being in Alaska in a campground and there were signs all over the place. Don't touch the baby. M- angry mama moose wandering the campground. Stay uh-huh. away. Stay uh-huh. away. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, there was a video on YouTube I saw of a moose attacking a guy on a snowmobile, uh, and uh, that snowmobile didn't stand a chance with that moose. No. Yeah. Yeah. So you survived the encounter. We did. We did survive the encounter and had a had a big laugh about it. How did you go about writing the book? Were you dictating uh, into a recorder mm-hmm. as you did the trip, taking notes? What was it you you did to jog your memory when you began writing? Yeah, I, I, I didn't go into the trip with my mom thinking I would write a book about it. Um, I do know myself as a, as a person. And when I go through big experiences, I find my, my personal writing inside of my journal to be very cathartic. And so I knew that type of writing would eventually take place. Um, 
but I didn't take notes or anything on the trip. I took a lot of, a lot of photos and some video and I did find myself on the plane ride home. My mom was sitting in the seat next to me and she had an adult coloring book and I brought my phone out and, and started typing a few notes in the app section in the notes app on my phone. And by the time we landed, I mean, I had just, it stuff had just started to pour out of me. And I, and when we landed, I thought, Oh, huh. I think this is the next book. And I, I took about a year before I actually sat down and, and started looking at those notes. But I think the main process for me, I mean, I could, I could talk about writing process and creativity, but um, and how to kind of jog memory, but much of it really is that that memory jogging. What happened, and exactly where did we go, and what campground did we stay at? Like much of that was documented through photos and videos to kind of assist with the creation of a clear picture. And what do you think the trip meant to your mom? Well, I think this is a really, really beautiful question, and so critically important. You know, a lot of people ask me, you know, if my loved one is going to forget the activity that that I take them on, like kind of why take them. And first of all, I think for for your own joy and your own experience is is worth it. Um, I also think that you know our our bodies experience awe and wonder and joy and companionship and connection in a very different way than how our brain can remember them. And so even if we don't remember, our body has felt those things. And Alzheimer's and dementia or not, it is worth living a life where we allow our bodies to feel good things. And that I think, even if she didn't remember it or could make meaning of it, I knew that I had provided her 12 days of at least one, if not multiple experiences with awe and wonder, and that her body felt those things. And that to me is really worth it. And what did you feel? Well, I simultaneously felt all of those things. Um, and I think there's a, that, 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 that also is enough, you know, for me to be able to sit in my chair right here and imagine, you know, us driving down that, that first road that we drove down to, to Yellowstone National Park, driving through Prey, Montana. And I could picture my mom in the seat next to me and I can imagine what she said and my body feels those feelings, those same feelings. And my body doesn't know if that's because it's happening now or because it's not, it's just feeling that feeling. And isn't that a miraculous gift that I could just pull that up at any moment, those same feelings. And of course, one could say you're pulling up the memories and that's true. Um, But for me, I often do that to pull up the feelings and the sensations in my body, as opposed to the, you know, what, what particular color blue was the sky? It's like, no, what was my body feeling in that moment? Well, and I don't think we really know what is absorbed. I mean, I've always believed it's in there somewhere. It's like talking to somebody in a coma. You don't know if they can hear you or not, but the words are going in and it's in there somewhere, even if it's not accessible to articulate. Absolutely. I think this is also so critical. I mean, we really don't know enough about this disease to know what the experience of living in it is, especially in the late stages. And so um, I like to make more positive, maybe I'm a silver lining person, but oh, well, like I like to make more positive assumptions about that than then, oh my gosh, I feel like she's living inside of the jail of her own body and can't get out. I, I actually think it's quite the opposite. I think she could be just experiencing, you know, waves of of positive energy or beautiful, to- beautiful tones of voices that are familiar speaking to her and 
how comforting that would be. And so I, I think it's important that we not make assumptions about the experience, the internal lived experience of people who are in the various stages of this disease. And, and when you got back, you had said your dad encouraged you to do this, encouraged her to do this. Uh, how excited was he to hear about the trip? Oh, he, he was thrilled to hear about the trip. He was um, jealous of the trip. My father is a is a experienced traveler. He wasn't jealous of the outdoor component. He likes to have a shower and shave and would not have experienced <laughs> like being in a tent. But um, he was he was ecstatic about the fact that I had that that time with her. And I think in regards to the book felt, you know, deeply moved and honored that she was um, kind of ca- a legacy really captured on the page. And, you know, we've talked about this before that it's my feeling in many ways is that when people read this book, my mother really comes through on the page in a way that almost feels mothering, even to people who read it. And to to think about the idea of her extending her legacy in that way, I think to my father and I and, and the rest of my family has been um, just a, a, a real gift. We're about out of time. Last thoughts. What would you like to share with our listeners? Oh, I think, um, I think exactly what I said before, you know, we may be grappling with um, the idea that, you know, memory loss and, and the idea of remembrance is found in if people can remember our names and the place that we grew up. But I think really a deep, deep remembrance is about having to let our lives be shaped by love and loss and the surrender and um, peace really that can be found in that. And where can we find your book? You can find the book in, in anywhere. I love supporting small bookstores. So to contact your small bookstore and see if it's uh, located there. Otherwise, anywhere, you know, major books, uh, booksellers and Amazon, that type of thing. Yeah. Well, Steph Jagger, thank you so much for being with us. For Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org. It's Laura and Matt of Mr. Electric. Matt, I'm excited to share that I just heard from a new customer who fell in love with our upfront pricing. She was actually surprised that there were no additional charges. Well, it's not every day that you find qualified electricians that give you an upfront price with no surprises after the job. Get peace of mind and visit us online at MrElectric.com or give us a call. At Mr. Electric, we have the power to make things better. License number TECL34221. 